Together we pray. Come Holy Spirit. Come Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire on this feast of Corpus Christi. Pray that our minds, hearts, and souls will be fertile soil for your gospel. That it may bear great fruit in our life. Lord, illuminate the scriptures for us. Illuminate, illuminate this great mystery of the Eucharist. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Those words from the first reading today really struck my heart in praying for today's Mass. He, speaking of the Lord, He therefore let you be afflicted by hunger and then fed you manna, a food unknown to you and your fathers, in order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. He let you be afflicted by hunger. When we're hungry, it hurts. Like real hunger hurts. And I say that you know, all of us, I mean, we're, we're human. We've experienced that, that physical hunger for food. I, w- I would venture to say that, that most of us in this church, maybe not all of us, but that most of us um, have maybe rarely or, or never felt like intense hunger that much of the world does feel. But we know this, this reality of the, the physical hunger that we have for food. And that when it perdures for a while, it's, it can be painful. But we know also a greater hunger. A greater hunger, Mother Teresa would speak about the hunger of the world and in so many parts of the world. And she would speak about the first world, right? And, and, and we're great, great hunger to be known to be seen, to be loved. And, and there's this, when, when that is absent or when we feel like it is absent, there's, there's a pain in us. There's a pain. And the Lord is saying here, he's telling us here through the scriptures, Moses, you know, Moses is letting us know, he's like, he let you experience this hunger and then he fed you with manna. And this was a physical hunger that they had as they were going through the desert. Like the Lord allowed it for a greater good. The Lord allowed it for a greater good. You can think of during the pandemic when public masses were, were suspended and priests were just celebrating private masses and inviting everyone. And some folks are still right at home um, who, who were making a spiritual communion. And that, that hopefully during that time, and I, and I know I've talked to a lot of people that feeling the longing, like the ache in the heart for the Eucharist, like this hunger that was painful. But the prayer, my prayer has been, and, and I know many of your prayers have been for a greater awareness and understanding of who the Lord is 
of what the Eucharist is. It, it is. it is Him. It is Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Like a greater awareness of that, a greater faith in the Lord present in the Eucharist. And that our hunger would increase so that our devotion, that our reception of the sacrament, that would have, it would bear greater fruit in our lives. That we would approach it more worthily with, with a greater faith, a more repentant heart. And, and so the Lord allowed this, right? We say, Lord, allowed this time, hopefully for this, to take place in our hearts. And I want to go back to that journey through the desert when they were physically hungry. And again, the, the Lord allowed it to be so. And then he provided for them manna. And how did that happen? Like they experienced hunger and they cried out. They experienced hunger and they cried out. And then the Lord provided for them the manna. Now, if we go back and we remember that, that, that reality, that experience, that when they would go, the Lord told them, okay, you just go out and you collect enough manna for one day. Just one day. And on the day before the Sabbath, you can collect for two days. So you don't have to come on the Sabbath day, but just for one day. And then what they started to do, they started to do what I would have done. Okay, I'm just going to bring some extra home. I can sleep in tomorrow. And I don't have to go get more. It's going to be great. And whatever they collected extra would rot. And they couldn't eat the next day. So they had to go out there anyway. And maybe we're thinking like, gosh, like, man, why is the Lord doing that? Why didn't he just like let them take a week's worth or something, you know, maybe even a month. And like the rest will be here later. Is that like a little controlling? Like, is the Lord being controlling? Like, what's going on? Does he not care? They're hungry. And them going out every day was not so much. It, was, it had nothing to do, nothing to do whatsoever with the Lord being controlling. But the purpose of it was this. That the Lord wanted them to know that every day in your hunger, I meet you with your daily bread. Every day. Every day that you long for food. I'm a father who is providing for you, who meets you right here with your daily bread. So the manna wasn't the important thing. It was the relationship with the Lord. It was a gaining of a knowledge of who God was as a provident and loving and present and merciful Father, giving them their daily bread. It was about the relationship with him. That's the key thing. So along our journey, as, as we're journeying in this world towards heaven, the Lord too has given us our daily bread. And that daily bread is more, because like what's happening, in, we're reading John's gospel today, just, just this one snippet of the Eucharistic discourse where they had just come from when Jesus had fed the 5,000, right, with the five loaves and two fish. And so they're following him like, oh my gosh, like we were physically hungry. And this guy performed a miracle and fed us. We're going to follow him. So they're following him because, because they, they received this miraculous bread in a sense. And then they start asking him questions like, you know, well, well Moses gave us bread from heaven. And then Jesus begins I 
am the bread of life. Like I am the true bread from heaven. My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. He's, he's telling them that he's going to give us the Eucharist. Why? Because man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Again, what, what sustained the Israelites in the desert was not so much, yes, we are incarnate beings, so they needed food. We needed food. But the greater sustenance was the word of God's fidelity that I am here every day to provide for you. That you do not have to rely on yourself. Yes, and again, this, this came through a tangible thing, through the manna being present, because we're incarnate beings. That that's how God spoke that word, that I am a father who is present to you. So every day when you show up, this miraculous bread will be here. And so the, the miraculous bread was the manifestation of God's word of fidelity. And so when Jesus, right, he's, this, is, this is a foreshadowing. When Jesus knows he's going to ascend to the Father and, and he's going to offer himself, that he, he institutes the Eucharist at the Last Supper. This is my body. This is my blood. Because we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. And what word is it that we live on? The word made flesh. The incarnate Son of God. The word that this Eucharist is intimately connected to, it cannot be separated from the Paschal mystery, from Jesus offering himself on the cross, dying for us, and his resurrection. We've gone through before, we've, we've talked about uh, the connection of the Last Supper to, to the Eucharist, and that there was no lamb, and that Jesus' body was the lamb, and that the supper was not finished, the cup of consummation until the Lord drank on the cross. And this intimate, deep connection that, that it is Jesus, he's giving us himself, the word made flesh. Because it is what our hearts long for. And so maybe you're thinking like, again, like, why, why do we have to come to church? Why do we have to come to church every Sunday? Like, what is that? And is God being controlling? Is the church being controlling? No, it is because we need the Lord. Every day, the Israelites had to go to get the food that they needed. And the food was not just the physical food, but the reality, the spoken word of God, of his faithfulness. And so when we come to Mass, right, we're in interesting times as some of us are here, and for prudent reasons and good reasons, some of us are not. And, and, but the reality of what the Lord is calling us to in these moments, right? In, in mass. Is that he wants, there, there's so many factors, but one of them is this. Like, I am here for you. And that every unfulfilled longing in your heart, 
every unfulfilled longing, even the longings for sin, which actually sin is just a perceived good, right? It's an apparent good. I, I want this because I think it's good, but it's not actually good for me. And so even those longings at the heart of them are a longing for God because we want something good. We want the thing that satisfies our hearts and it is him and it is the Eucharist. And the Lord is present in our life in our souls through baptism, the Lord is present in, in his sacred word. The Lord is present in the church in a tangible way, in a real way, in a real way. When we talk about the real presence of the Eucharist, it is different because it is a substantial presence. A substantial presence. What does that mean? Like the Lord is in my soul. The Lord is in your soul through baptism. But you, you remain human. I remain human. Like my nature doesn't change. But the Lord is present in and through me. This Bible, right? These words, the Lord is present in his living word. But it is still a, a, a book. It is still a sacred book. It is not God. That what happens at the consecration is that bread and wine, it's not just that God is in the bread or in the wine. That is not it. That the bread and the wine become God. Their nature changes. Still looks like bread, still tastes like bread. And praise God it does, because it would freak me out if it didn't. But it is him. And you know what? That truth is a scandalous truth. Because if you keep reading in the sixth chapter of John's gospel, when Jesus says that people begin to leave, they're like, mm, you're crazy. And so if you if you if you're thinking like people, the Jews left and then some of his disciples left and then he turns to the 12 and he's like, are you two going to leave? And what was Peter's response? Lord, where are we going to go? And, and I have to believe that there was like a 30 second pause, which felt like eternity. Uh, are you going to leave? Hmm. I was thinking about it, actually. Because what you're saying is crazy. But where am I going to go? To whom will I go? Because you have the words of eternal life. And I've become to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of have the words of eternal life. And I've become to believe and are convinced that you are the Holy One of God. So even though I don't understand what you're saying, that you're going to give me your body and blood to eat and drink, even though I don't understand that, even though that kind of freaks me out, that Jesus, I believe in you. And because I believe in you and you are the way, the truth, and the life, then I can remain. Then I can remain and know that you will help me understand, that you will help me grow in faith. So whatever it is you're struggling to believe in, maybe it is the real presence of the Eucharist. Maybe it is another teaching of the church. This is where what the Lord is saying to us in the Eucharist, I am here and I am present and I always provide for you. Trust me, believe in me. And we'll work through the rest of the things on the journey. I'm on this cross, right? I've died on this cross. I've offered my life for you. I've ascended to the Father. I intercede for you at all times. I've sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within your soul as the consoler, as the counselor, the one who is there. Trust me. I am present. I love you. We will work the rest of the things out. He therefore... Let you be afflicted by hunger and then fed you with manna, a food unknown to you 
and your fathers. In order to show you that not by bread alone does one live, but by every word that comes forth from the mouth of the Lord. We have the Eucharist because we're incarnate beings. The manna wasn't the most important thing, but it was a manifestation of God's fidelity, of his word. The Eucharist, it is a physical food, but what it is is the Lord himself, the word made flesh. And so our hunger draws us here. Most of all, our hunger for love, which only God can satiate. And as we receive the most holy Eucharist, either spiritually or or sacramentally, then what we need to do is we need, we have to, to celebrate the Eucharist worthily. Pope Benedict said this in Sacrum Caritatis, is to go into the world and where love is needed, where justice is needed, to give it and to be present because we are incarnate beings and the people longing for God need to experience him in a tangible, incarnate way. Feed the hungry, console the sorrowful. All of the spiritual and corporal works of mercy. Again, we've talked about last week, last couple of weeks, the reality of of the racial tension and racial divide the racism that, that we need, like here, here, here's a reminder of this one, this one. How do we love tangibly, not just an idea, but tangibly? So let us receive him. Let him transform our hearts and let us go as the body of Christ to bring him to those in need. He lets us be afflicted by hunger. He lets our relationships not completely satisfy us. He lets the world and pleasures not completely satisfy us. That is good. If your marriage, if your children, if your friends, if your relationship does not completely satisfy you, blessed be God, because they cannot. Only the Lord can. So he allows us at times to be afflicted by this hunger to come to him, be fed by him. And then in those relationships, instead of grasping at that person or that thing to ultimately fulfill me, I receive them for the gift that they are. The imperfect gloriousness of that unique person whom the Lord has placed in my life. He lets us be afflicted by hunger that we will come to know that we do not live on bread alone, but on the word made flesh.